Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. All right. I'm John Richards here in Seattle, and uh, I have the Lumineers scattered around New York City, I do believe, right? You guys are hoteling it and B&B in it right now? Yeah. Yeah. For our release week, we're all scattered about the city. Um, it's a, a weird process for y'all because you're now, uh, I assume, wrote a lot of the record during the pandemic, recorded, rehearsed, now release now tour you probably thought at some point of this process you would not be in the the thick of the pandemic um how is it right now just this particular part trying to you know promote a record during a, a global pandemic it's a really good question how does how does it feel for you <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not as intimate i think I, I i remember coming in for our second album we got to walk through you know, each each song by song in person. And it was really, it was really special and really cool. I think a lot of those moments are, are depending on where the pandemic was at taken away. You know, a lot of shows are canceled or postponed. Um, it's funny, there's a song on this album, Where We Are, that when our um, management heard it, they were like, well, we have to put this out like right now, right now. Because they thought when they heard it, it was about to be over. And now they're like, this song still makes complete sense. And I'm like, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, it does. So it feels like a bit of um, hurry up and wait and be very patient because things change on a dime, um, sometimes for good and sometimes not. But it's, it, I think it forces you to be really like, okay, don't get too far ahead of yourselves. Just like, just hope for the best in the next day or two and we won't look much beyond that. And, and that's what we try to do. It's a perfect setup because I know you perform this live for our sessions today. And and before we show that, can you can you tell me where this uh, this was filmed and and also who's who was involved in filming? It's just beautiful. It's just you two. Uh, where are you at for this recording? I think we're on a soundstage in Denver, if I remember. Um, and uh, our friend Nick Bell helped set it up and um, orchestrate a lot of it. He's also directed music videos for us now and a guy who's been with us constant day one i went to high school with him um and he's it, it's it's i think it's i think it's like a sparse representation of of what you know like well the album is kind of sparse but also really rich and we feel like there's a lot of interesting things going on and we hope that that's visually what's going on as well we were trying to do that because we love kxp we like to remind people as the first station that ever played us so um we'd like to always say thanks for that forever we're forever indebted to you so thank you that's that's the perfect setup for that song i could see it in the air every word was like smoke from a cigarette you were blowing in your hands the heat of broken the Oldsmobile and the light in your eyes Alone on the freeway 
I was stranded in the bed You were listening to the dark side of the moon I could barely see your eyes Still a-sobbing in a hotel room And the light in your eyes And waves on the ceiling I'll be a bright side baby tonight I'll be a bright side baby tonight Tonight You were tired of Tacoma I was tired of believing we were right Losing every other friend Finding nothing in the afterlife But the light in your eyes Alone on a feeling I'll be a bright side baby tonight I'll be a bright side baby tonight Tonight You're stranded on a bridge You're crying for your kids I'll be a bright I could see it in the air Every word was like smoke from a cigarette Sun is coming up ahead Catch a crack in the windshield Shining the light in your eyes Alone I remember waking up the neighbor like a stadium 
Yeah, he ran upstairs screaming no one cared And the band played on Even in the limo you were feeling like an animal At the traffic light where you blew your mind on a mobile phone Day and night, my love, you said the blood was on my hands Long as you ride I couldn't give you up Forever run But it will be okay 
Crashed the car in Arizona on the interstate People pulling over crying thinking we were dead What was that? Driving in the rain What was that? Calling out your name You mentioned earlier uh, the the airplay. It, it 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 we've mentioned it before, but I I think as technology changes too, it, the fu- the story kind of gets funnier because it was a <laughs> it was a CD demo, you know. Now, now people are like, oh, what's in the mail? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 it was me being fed up with with piles of music and my, just wishing one day maybe we'd have a different way to get music to people. And it just happened to be sitting on the top of the pile like. This is it. If this is no good, I'm throwing this all away. If this is good, I'm going to play the hell out of it. And then I, and it was your record and it was very, very good. And I was thinking about that session too, when you came up, you know, there is something, um, that's why I like this session that you guys are doing with us. Uh, You know, I wish I could be there, of course, always, you know, seeing a band live and having a conversation live is always better. Um, But I really like the stripped down nature of it and the piano in it, Jeremiah, is just Gorgeous, and I, I I love your record. I, I I wanted to mention it too. Your uh, it was a brilliant record and perfect oh, for thanks, me, man. perfect for the pandemic. And just did that influence you in this? Does that I know you play piano, but like putting that record together, that influence how you play with with your band, or did it? Did I it think have no- I think it has to right, in, in some maybe not in a specific linear way, but I think it has to inform one informs the other. I think that it's funny that when Wes and I started making music, I could barely play like Tom Petty, like a major chord to save my life. And I, I still to this day watch, watch my hands very uh, diligently and probably look a little bit nervous still <laughs> playing the piano. But yeah, making this solo album, uh, which was all like piano instrumental stuff. I think it's just like songwriting and working on music feels a little bit like a muscle at times. And I think I was able to sort of exercise through the pandemic mentally and sort of also spiritually and, Wes and I started, I think, working on Brightside in the summer, June, July, something like that, summer of 2020. You know, we knew that the tour had been canceled for sure, indefinitely, um, whatever we were doing with our last album, Three. So I think it kept me sharp and it kept me inspired. I don't think if I had done that, I still would have made, um, I think I still would have brought ideas to the table that would have been cool, but you never know. I think it just kept me sharp and it was fun to to continue to make music and 
when I met up with Wes at our sort of like respective houses in Denver, when I was still living there, um, it just felt really natural to start sort of like write together again and sort of emotionally um, exercise all these demons that COVID had sort of started to, you know, wear, wear on us slowly but surely. So, yeah. How, how has the impact on your guys' relationship, your friendship, uh, not just as bandmates, but uh, in this pandemic, uh, seeing each other? I don't know how long you went without seeing one another. I've, I went a year, year and a half sometimes seeing some of my best friends and seeing them both reminded me, hey, man, we don't even miss a beat here. We're clearly friends. And then the other was just like, dude, I missed you. I, I think yeah. for me personally, I, I was going to say like when Wes and I first started to write this work on writing this album, rapid tests were nowhere near as, as available mm. as they were now. Like we've gotten tested three times in the last 24 hours. And <laughs> when we were starting in Denver, it was like you booked this appointment and they were just much harder and much more just stranger to find at the time. So once we got tested and were able to actually be in the same room with each other, um, I think it just sort of re- reminded, you know, myself and reinforced the value of like, the friendship and the musical bond and being able to be in a room with somebody that you care about and be able to work on music again. And it just sort of brought all that back. I think when, you know, it's the classic adage, once you have something taken away, you, you only realize you appreciate it even that much more nine times out of 10, at least. And, you know, this time was, was tenfold. It was like the idea that you couldn't sit on a couch and I couldn't, you know, sit on the piano bench and just look at each other and converse about music that was seemingly uh, getting ripped away from us because of this microscopic uh, demon called COVID. Um, but once we were able to start to do that more and more, that really helped me uh, feel a lot better and, and sort of like feed my soul throughout, throughout the pandemic, I think. And uh, Wes, you, you, your family has expanded um, during this last uh, period of time. I'm trying to think of when I last talked to you. Um, I, yeah, both of us, me and Jerry, each had yeah, a and baby Jerry, I was going to say, you both yeah. did during the, I can't, the pandemic to me is such weird. <laughs> I'm actually stopping for a second. Like, did the, did you have a baby during it? I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, and, and so in a way was not having to be out on the road, a bit of a blessing for, for someone who makes their living out there on the road to be able to be there maybe a little bit more for your, your, your child than you may not have been. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, I think I got to see my son, uh, who's a little older. He's almost four now. I got to see him in some pivotal, about a two-year period where I probably was probably have seen a lot less of each other. But even if he's on the road, you know, there's just a lot that happens every day. Um, so I waking up with him and putting him to bed and all these things that I didn't normally get to do a ton of um, was really special. And then our baby girl. Coming uh, this past or last year now, now that we're in the new year. <laughs> Is it last uh, year? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a new um, year. See? I can't yeah, time. It's just – It came in March. So, um, yeah, that was that was really special as well. But it is like one of those things where I think um, you sort of try to just like – you probably act the way you act every time. <laughs> so if you see the best in things, you probably saw the best in as much as you could. And if you didn't, like for us – it, it, it harkens back to, I remember like 2000, uh, it was 2011 and we got robbed in LA and all our instruments were taken and we had a house show. You can, might be able to hear my daughter screaming in the background and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> but, uh, 
right on. Don't cue. worry, don't worry. Somebody's <laughs> helping her. I'm not like just leaving her to cry. Um, but yeah, that's the, the follow-up question. What a great. Yeah, don't dad. worry about it. Uh, <laughs> basically, robbed. And that night, we played a show with barred instruments, and we kept playing. And I felt like that was the attitude. Was just, oh, well, this is a way. This is something we need to overcome. That's it. And I've, I felt like. It's just an attitude that you, you just like adopt and innately have or you don't. And I feel like with this, we really, we, the thing we did, I think that was smart was we didn't try to make a record. It just a record happened. We tried to make a couple songs that maybe gave us a head start on the next album. And then that blossomed into this, this making a whole record. But I think the low, keeping the expectations low and just, um, almost like trying just for the sake of trying to feel alive, to feel purpose in a time of you feel rendered just inept at like life, you know, you're like, what's my purpose? What's my power? What's my goals in this? And all of it seems blurry. And so to just narrow it down to a song or two, I think it gave the project some wings, you know, it, it just made it in a way that we became kids around music again, instead <laughs> of it being this, um, cause I've thought about music more clinically sometimes where I'm like, Hey, you got like, you know, you look at every band that's ever existed and they have like three to five records to make their mark. And then the musical world kind of stops paying as close of attention. <laughs> it's just how it works with rare exception. There are, there are exceptions, but I think for us, like it was our fourth album and it felt like we were just starting a new band and, you know, like watching all these Beatles, behind the scenes and re remembering that, you know, Sergeant Pepper was in an effort to get out of their own way. I feel like in a strange way, this, this album, we got out of our own way a lot. And we, there was some inner critic that was always sitting on our shoulder, chirping in our ear and he took a break and we were able to, um, be really innocent and like have this wonderment about music that was not there every album because you're just so focused and maybe trying to control a little too much or trying to edit just a little too much. And this was a lot more free. So I think it you, comes across on the, uh, on the album. Are you able to then once it's out, uh, apply that same feeling towards the response and not have stress around how people will feel about it? I mean, a fourth records, you've built up a base, you have a lot of fans. There's people are excited about your record. Uh, I'm a fan and I absolutely adore this record. I think it's some of your best songwriting. I think, Brightside and AM radio seem like songs that have been around forever, which is for me the mark of a, a great song. Is like you can't imagine that it how, is this a cover? Like what? How yeah. is this? It feels like something I would hear um, just on the radio that I've I've heard over the years. You know, just it, it just seems very familiar and, and like home to me. But do you worry? Are you able to get rid of that worry about what people will think of? I mean, it sounds like you went into it like that, but now the record comes out and people are going to respond and talk about it. I think there. I mean, I think. There's like, I remember when our first album came out and I was like, I remember saying, <laughs> I remember saying to the band, you know, we probably, let's not wear like flannel shirts. It's just too cliche, you know, and let's not all wear like these, uh, fedoras. Like, it's just like a swing band now. Like there was elements of like, let's not set ourselves up to be pigeonholed. You know, mm -hmm. we're trying to do something. I think that's a little bit less about a genre and more about good songwriting whatever that means. You know, I think we're way more interested in that than being an Americana band or whatever you get put into. Um, but at this point, 
I, I think you hope people like it, but when you have confidence and you feel like it's good, it's almost like a chef brings out food. Some people, it just might not be for them, but you know it's an insane dish. Like, I feel like this is our best album. Like, I can say that and not say it with some sense of like, oh, that sounds like arrogance. I don't think it is. I think it's just like looking at it and saying, I'm most excited when I hear this album. And when I play it for friends, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's another band I'm listening to in a way. It's not as, maybe that's because I didn't attach so much ego to it, but it, mm. it does feel like an exciting time to put out music. And, and you know, there will always be people who, who are fanning out over it and there's people who will like hate it. And that's just like, that is life. It would be strange if it wasn't that way, but it's a good, it's, I'll tell you, it beats the feeling of like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but let's put this out. That's not where you want to be putting out a record. You want to feel like you're really into it and proud of it. And it gives you goosebumps. You you mentioned the Beatles. I assume you watched the documentary and, and, and seeing them. What did that do for, uh, for songwriters, for, for people who see that, how much the Beatles struggled to not just, well, part of it is just struggling with internal conflicts at that point of their career. But I, I you know, you watch them all and, and Paul McCartney's over in the corner making masterpieces like just, you know, I'm just going to, this song that's going to live forever. And, you know, and it's like that fried my brain. But just seeing that they struggled and the amount of humor and amount of like dicking around they did to get to a, a point. What does it do for a band to see the greatest band of all time go through that process? I mean, I, I think, I mean, Jared and I talked about it because there's something reassuring about, it's like watching Michael Jordan miss a layup or something, you know, where <laughs> right. not even a layup, just miss a shot where there's, yeah. there's human beings and they actually had to often try quite hard to coax the song out of the idea, you know, to, it was there, but they sort of had to, there's a lot to still be written and there's a lot to still be worked on. And, and I think just seeing their, also just seeing them fool around was also reassuring because it was like, I think they were trying to get out of their own heads as well. Like they'd, they'd sing a song and they'd have their mouths closed and try to make each other laugh. And like, mm, 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 mm. And, and it's so goofy, but I feel like that's what you, sometimes in the studio, it's such an unnatural environment to be, and think about what they were doing on a soundstage in front of some of them complete strangers just in their face with a camera and the lighting is terrible and the, it's probably cold. And they're all just like, what are we doing? Like George doesn't want to be there. Uh, we can blame him. Man. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's the only one telling the truth. But um, yeah, I really think it was like reassuring in that way, but it was also really exciting to see. It's like, finally there's a documentary where it represents what it actually feels like to write, to write an idea that you know is special and also watching John's reaction to Paul's, you know, get back where he, he's just like, all right, cool. Like it wasn't anything like, holy shit. Can you believe this? It was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was so lackluster, his reaction. And it kind yeah. of shows you like, you have to know what you have. Sometimes the world's not going to immediately tell you what you have. You have to believe that and keep holding it up. You know, like the John Cusack in that say anything like it just, it feels like, but watching him, try to coax that idea out and it almost emerged like an alien out of his belly. Like it was, it was, that's how it really works when cool stuff happens and it only happens once in a while. And to see that in the real time with one of the, you know, 
with the best band ever and one of the coolest songs. It was just like, I don't know, to be a fly on the wall, we got to feel that for once. Yeah, Jared, did you have that same feeling? Did you, did, 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 I mean, and I'm thinking of you, you're, you play so many instruments. Did something jump out at you? I think Ringo right away. Um, but <clears throat> I also think of like John on the piano, you know, that to me was, or Paul. For, was I mean, for me, like, I felt like I couldn't even look at an instrument for like a week after finishing it because <laughs> on one hand you saw this human side of them, but on the other hand you're like, these guys are not normal people at all. And I honestly couldn't look at an instrument and even think about writing like one note because I was just, I was so like shocked in like a profound, like in a positive way though too. I was just like, wow, like completely dumbfounded by watching that. And then I think for me seeing Paul, I didn't know he was that good at everything. Like I knew he was an amazing bassist, knew he was an amazing singer, lyricist. I didn't know he was that good at the piano. I didn't know they were all really good at the piano. Also, like everyone's yeah. like <laughs> equally proficient. Everyone's equally proficient at the guitar. They all sang. Um, it's a truly like a super group without it being a super group. And um, there was just so many moments like, you know, Paul coming in with the bones to let it be. And I just remember that really like, like I think I had to pause yeah. it. I was watching it on a flight going somewhere. I just was like, wow. Like, you know, there's the, the history of music before a song like that. Even if you don't like the Beatles, there's people that are like, screw the Beatles. It's like hating like a beautiful piece of architecture or something. It's like, like it or dislike it. This is like a thing that exists mm -hmm. in the history of like music. It's beyond a good review or a bad review. It's just like these, certain songs they wrote are just, you know, changed so many artists after them and watching little moments like that where he just has the bones of a, a song like that. It was, uh, it was incredible. I mean, me and Wes, we were sort of texting with each other in our separate hotel rooms in Chicago talking about it. And yeah, I, I totally agree with what Wes said too. Like just seeing the dynamics with the band and stuff. It was, I'm really glad that uh, Peter Jackson kept because it'll be like an hour and 20 minutes where like essentially nothing happens. And you're like, All right, what the hell's going on? And then Paul writes, get back on the spot or <laughs> right. you're on the roof playing, right. you know, uh, yeah. let, let, let it be or something. And it's just like, Oh, okay. This, when those like diamonds in the rough finally came through, it was, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. I, I, um, it's funny. You said you paused it there. I did too. Cause I felt like I was watching a, a moment in history in real time. Like I, it felt like now, I don't know how to explain it because it was so new to me. And it, and I paused and went back. So I think, I think it's really important that we watch this again. This is, <laughs> isn't this is like really John, important. isn't John like reading a paper or something? Him and Yoko like well, like, is reading a paper all the time. I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other I, guys are just kind of standing there like, oh, and he starts clapping along like, mm, okay. Paul yeah, also sure. doesn't even have the lyrics finished. He's like, there it sounds. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Another thing I, I was really struck by was Ringo, Every time he started a song that he had never heard before, he played the most like generic stock beat. And then like, it would be like, huh, this is so weird. Like when they were working on uh don't, is it called don't let me down? Is that the name of the song? Yeah. It was like a really standard beat. And then Paul starts giving them some ideas and then Ringo starts to like change and evolve the ideas. Yeah. And it just sort of reinforced to me, like how simple like drums can like really like change a song so dramatically. And the iconic, Obviously, like it's really hard to come up with iconic parts on the spot, but Ringo, it was so interesting to see. Like, you just would play the most simple beat every song and then find his way with it. And that was something I could really relate to, where it's like, 
it's so hard to just pull something out of your hat for every song to do something. But Ringo <laughs> is known as one of these drummers where there's these beats are so iconic and so simple and so playful. And um, it was cool to see that human side like materialize before your eyes on, on film. Yeah. I, my only complaint is that I don't have a documentary now for every, uh, uh, record they did yeah, yeah. because now I, I want to see how Sergeant Pepper went down or how Revolver went down or how, cause I just, I feel sad about it. Like I have a sadness that I don't, now I don't know how did they get there. And, and it's like trying to figure out the meaning of the universe. You'll go a little crazy. You'll never do it. You just try to figure out how those songs, uh, anyway, um, we go on forever on that. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about this cover that y'all did for, for us. Um, one of my all time favorite songs and Wes, you did a whole album of covers as well. We mentioned Jeremiah's, uh, piano record and Wes is a really great covers record. If you haven't heard, it's just, I love it. Um, and what it jumped out at me too. And I, we've talked about this, not currently, but I've talked to you about this a little bit is, is about delivery of lyrics. And what I really noticed when you covered, and I should mention, it's just like heaven uh, from the cure, your delivery and how you uh, deliver the words in here um, really make this your song. They really um, make me hear the lyrics. You know, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Like the lyrics meant so much more to me when I hear a cover of it slowed down. I don't get lost in the beat and everything. And the piano in this is just gorgeous. I just want to ask about how you came up with this uh, cover. Yeah, it's really in this, I think it's really in the spirit of the record in a funny way. Cause <clears throat> we, we were just in my basement and um, there's a little ship's piano down there. It's like a, it's a little smaller than a normal size piano. It's 58 keys, something like that. And it's, it was built for ships. So they're, they're like really short and small and they're uprights. And, um, it was kind of out of tune, but enough in tune with itself that it was acceptable. And so Jer was playing around with it and we really liked how, for lack of a better word, it's kind of raw or bad it sounded. It was like, oh, there's a lot of humanity in there. You can't really lay anything on top of it because it'll sound, <laughs> it's a strange yeah. phenomenon, but like with a piano, you can have it sort of janky and it'll sound fine as long as you don't add a bunch of stuff on top of it. Um, but we just started singing we did a couple covers that day just for fun. And that was one of them. And I don't even know if we thought that was the keeper. I think we just thought, well, we want to remember this, you know, this kind of like arrangement and this way we did it. Um, so let's just hit record. And, and it was a basement recording that turned into a B side for the album. But um, yeah, I, I love the way a, a, a lot of it is, I think Jerry, you just showed me, you kind of re reimagine the song on the piano from this really kind of pumped up happy sounding version of it. That's normal. That I would call it the normal, you know, the actual version and then covering it. Our mantra is usually just, it shouldn't even be really recognizable from the mm. original or else. Why are you covering it? Like, that's yeah, right. uh, <laughs> you know, growing up, there was like a really strange cover of like, uncle cracker doing Dobie gray that became really popular as I was a kid. And I was like, this is the worst cover because it's just the same. It's just yeah. nothing about it that was reimagined. And, uh, so I loved Jared put a lot of sadness in some of the chord choices. And then I purposely kind of like laid back and was delivering lines in a way that was like, not, not trying to sound like a karaoke version, but to, yeah, 
kind of lean into what he's really singing about or what he's really feeling in that moment when he's saying those lines that can kind of trick you into thinking it's a happier song than it is. Yeah, your emphasis on some of the words were very different than Robert Smith's in that song. That's what yeah. I noticed. And he's like yeah. one of the most evocative singers. And, you know, it's almost like you don't really want to touch some of this material because you just like it so much <laughs> and you have so much respect. But at the same time, I just know is like if someone covered our music, I would really enjoy it if it was reimagined. And I would probably not enjoy it if it just tried to sound like us. So I think we were we were trying to do it justice in our own way. But like that probably has a lot to do with the what you hear in our band. A lot of those chord choices, it's what Jer is doing behind the scenes that I think a lot of attention goes to the singer and the lyrics and stuff. But that's always propped up and held up and you know, it's it's not going to matter if the music behind it's not strong and evocative in its own way. So I think that's, again, like, it kind of shows you, like, me and Jer's relationship in a way of, like, the different way, different things we're interested in, you know, and how sometimes when they don't overlap, you get more interesting music. Because when me and Jer met, he was making instrumental beats and I was, I was yeah. a singer-songwriter and you kind of hear that collision in the music or even in a cover like that where... I forget which chord you're doing it to on the song, Jared, but there's there's like there's something happening that's way 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 sadder than yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I, I th it was interesting because I remember the beginning, the piano that bookends the song, the beginning, the intro and outro piano actually started in something that I was really like high on, being like, oh, I want to show this to West for like this is like an intro to like an original Lumineer song, and then so at some point, just this vision of like. The, the classic guitar melody dun, 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 dun. I heard this like really slow tempo in my head like someone clapping like dun, dun, clap dun. like like crazy even way slower than that and it was like what if we made this like kind of drugged out version of just like heaven that was the original sort of inspiration and I checked I'm pretty sure out of like the countless countless covers that are available on all streaming services we're the only one without drums so that was kind of a cool thing and sort of like yeah, that whole song is dun, 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 right yeah, like, yeah which those drums are like so busy and untouchable like i would yeah. never try to re replicate those but <laughs> yeah it was kind of it was really fun to work on the song as almost like it was an original song and you have these great lyrics to work with you have, you do have these great chords to work with and trying to almost as a piano player in this particular song trying to tease out that sadness and getting rid of and everything else that felt that the cure did, and, and, and you know somewhere in between those two trains of thought, and I think uh, yeah, there's something really cool about that take that we are going to release eventually, where the the piano is is pretty out of tune, but even the way Wes sang it, <laughs> I don't even know if you really knew all the lyrics, like you do say like your you know the original songs you write, and uh, it was really cool to hear Wes sort of like searching in the dark but there was something about that take that um just capturing magic in our opinion in our opinion or something just that yeah our label wanted yeah. to like remix it you remember and we were like nah yeah, they yeah wanted we like, to... like we could make this a summer <laughs> song great. let's get yeah. some drums and i remember being like i could we could throw down some crazy drums in this song no doubt we could do it would be very like easy to do that but there was something cool yeah. about like holding the line and being like, you know, this is it. Because the further, the closer we get to the original, I feel like artistically that would be 
the wrong move. So it's uh, it's been it's really fun to do that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just glad I know guys who hear a Cure song and say, "Here's how we make it sadder." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. We're gonna make it a little sadder. <laughs> Cure does have some happy songs, though. It's not like you covered Friday I'm in Love, yeah, you know, or it's true. Yeah. or Love Cats What's that or song? something. Six, six different ways, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. I really wanted to cover that, but I we didn't really know what to do with it. But yeah, it, no, it's his voice alone is like insane. That's like something where when you hear it, note one, you already know who it is. younger I, I 
Should've known better And I, I can't feel no remorse And you don't feel nothing bad Nothing bad I got a new girlfriend Feels like he's on top And I don't feel no remorse You can't see past my blindness Oh, Ophelia been on my mind, girl, since the flood. Oh, Ophelia, heaven help a fool who falls in love. So, uh, so you got the record, you're doing the promo, you're, you know, you're, you're, are you getting used to in pandemic or not? You're still doing a lot of the promo stuff that you've done, uh, leading up to records. And, um, how does it feel? Is, is it, is it feel, does it, do you feel good about it? You're feeling like you got energy You're you're, you're ready to get this on the road. I mean, where are you guys at right now? I, I know we talked about the effects of the pandemic, but you know, we're, we're heading out of this at some point where people can see you play live again and you may not have to test three, four <laughs> times a day to go talk to someone. Um, but where, how are you, how are you guys feeling heading into this, this new year and this new record? Well, we got to, we got to play a handful of shows over the last couple months at the end of last year. And, uh, you know, if that's any indication of what it's like to play live again, then like, you know, it's very hard to wait right now because it was, I think everybody, everybody was reminded of the importance of communing, of getting together around music and the energy that it not only gives us as the band on stage, but I think it gives the whole, just the whole audience and band together. There's something that you don't, you don't get just like, you know, we're sitting here on a virtual call, but if we're in the same room, you might see my hand move a certain way and understand it's, we interpret things a lot more than we realize. And I think our bodies really feel the collective energy in a room when you're around a sea of bodies that are just vibing on the same song together. And 
I, I think that emotion, feeling alive, I think all of that returns when we come back to play live music. And uh, up until that point, it feels very hypothetical. So <laughs> I, fe- I feel like really excited, but I also am sort of resigned to say it's really out of our, our hands. You know, there's not really there's not really much to do about it other than stay ready and stay prepared for when the, yeah. when the moment comes to go back out on tour. And you'd, you'd laugh if you heard the conversations we've had in the last couple of weeks about the possibilities of the next two months, you know, it could be this or it could be this whole other thing, or it could be this thing. It's, it's almost like I'd rather not know, just wake me up when it's time to go kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I'm just going to be in my own little world. And, but it's, it's a, it's a test of patience because I think people, uh, people assume that the bands have control over some of this stuff, like right. just play the show. And it's like, believe me, we would love to play all the shows right now. So we're just trying to stay patient. It's hard when you have a record and you understand that it's really important to go around city by city and play this, play this new music. Cause the last album got, that kind of got taken away from us, you know, midway through, like with everybody. So trying to stay up, trying to stay positive. You're heading here. You're yeah. going to be here. And you're heading here at a time where, knock on wood, I feel like summer. I don't even want to say it, right? I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm done jinxing myself. I keep thinking spring, and now I'm like, I'm just going to say summer now. But you're coming here, in yeah. theory. We're coming. We'll outdoor be there. show. We're coming. It's, yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> we may see you. We may see you out here. I know. That's how I talk now. I'm, I don't want to commit to anything. So I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> and I don't want to be disappointed. You know, like if you... Yeah. Plus, you have some big shows. I imagine it's like, okay, we're either playing Madison Square Garden or we're, we're going to sit at home. Like, these are your, it's not yeah. like, you know, you're just going to dinner. You guys have, these are big productions. I can't imagine your team is of teams of all, and I should mention all the bands out there that are putting on any kind of tour, small to big, to, to the staff. And that we don't even mention that sometimes, and we should be better about that is on my end, trying to think of all the different people affected by this. But the, the, the people who work, in, in the business and touring, the business of touring, the promoters, yeah. your own crew, your own roadies, your own sound guys, you like everybody who's involved in that. They also are living, you know, day to day to know if they're going to be making a living and that, that those, that this business tends not to have insurance or, you know, paid time off. So I'm sure you have people around you, you care, care about and, and want to be able to make a living at this as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're member supported just like you. We uh like <laughs> very similar. Yeah. Like but it is <laughs> interesting. I mean even like so with all the venues, I think that's really that's really scary yeah. because you know, you have life on Mars, right? Like there's there's a lot of independent bars and restaurants and 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 especially music venues for us that you wonder what their fate is if no one can even give them service, you know, go right go support them in their own way. So it is like a really, it's been a scary last couple of years and you don't know what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like in the next two years going forward. But um, yeah, the, the crew we have, we've been able to really keep like intact and it's been, we're lucky for that. You know, we're seeing the same faces and we're, we, you know, we describe it as a, you know, you're sort of a dysfunctional family, but you're still like a, <laughs> you still are a family and you still, a lot of the people on our crew, we feel like are they're like the best out there and they're deciding to be here with us. You know, they can be, a, they can kind of go work for whoever they want to work for. And you try to make it an environment and, and recognize 
and appreciate them so that they want to come and work with us and not just like, ah, I'm going to work. You know what I mean? And I think that takes a lot. It just takes a lot of intention. I think we're all just trying really hard, especially they, we see it in each other in these inconvenient times when it's like, oh, that's like, this is tough, man. And you just try to, you try to do that throughout, but yeah, it's, it, it's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, you being based in Seattle, there's so many local businesses that define a city, mm-hmm. your, your station included that don't, people just think ex- they're just going to exist no matter what. It's not like they think about it. Like, oh, I got, I got to, I got to go buy a burger from that place every week or else they're going to go under like, but that's, that's really how, it, what it boils down to sometimes. So I think in addition to all that, you we're trying to get back out there to, to have everybody in our community and crew, like back to work, like selfishly, we want to go on stage and play the shows. Cause it's just so fun, but it's fun for them too. We're all kind of getting back in touch with what we're, I think supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, music and community. If, if those things haven't proven to be lifesavers in someone's past, how you, look at it now, it's impossible for me to see it any other way. We need those things, especially once you take them away, you realize how much you need them. And that collective meditation of seeing a show is, I mean, and people are just, I think it's going to save lives once people can get back out there. And if, and if people think that's not true, that they, that that's fine, but there are plenty of people out there, live music and just being a part of people for a shared experience. You got nothing else going on in your head. You're not worried about bills or diseases or politics or climate when you're just in a song in a moment. So I, I hear you, man. I'm, I, but I, again, also, I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be there by now and I'm frustrated. Also, It's it's like literally connecting with other people, you know, that you might not yeah. normally connect with. I heard somebody say the other day, they said, we're kind of looking at each other like vessels for bacteria lately. Like we're just, we've been reprogrammed right. and we have to go back to hugging each other eventually. And, and because that really feeds us, but, I saw something on your, your feed the other day about a woman going in for a first round of chemo and wanting yeah. to hear a certain song. And I was like, you know, in our own little way, we experience uh, people saying things like that, uh, you know, whether it's about a song or come to a show. And, you know, I think that's when you really, you, you, re- you don't realize like beyond a particular band, the power of music until you hear those kind of comments and, you know, we can't really measure people's stress. And I think music has a way of alleviating and getting people, it calms your soul and it gives you, it's a certain kind of medicine that's really hard to measure, but it's definitely integral. And live music, getting together, like I said, it's some people's church. You know, not everybody goes to a traditional church. You know, this is like a version of that. Yeah, man. Yeah. And does it, I know you've always, you know, cared about your fans and cared about music impacting people. Do you, do you feel like you want to do even more? Do, do, you, if, do you, are you just wanting to get out there and figure out ways you can impact people more? That's all I want to do. I just feel like through this pandemic, seeing that I've impacted anybody makes me want to just help more. How can I help more? Do you, do you see the band trying to do that more? I think somewhat. I, I, I think a lot of it boils down to like what you feel. Like, you know, as a musician, you get asked like pretty ridiculous questions for what we actually spend our days doing. You know, like how do you feel about this <laughs> war they're fighting or how do you feel we should solve some global climate crisis? And we sit around playing yeah, was, instruments. That was my follow-up, you know? dude. Like, you just ruined my follow-up question. I mean, we, we, but we hopefully like 
bring people in the in the fold which we have that help you know tours become more carbon neutral or even positive um but that being said i think honestly like the most reassuring thing is is sometimes keeping it simple and being like i'm i'm getting back to what i'm supposed to be doing which is i just want to like write this music and connect with people over this music live right those two things are really gratifying and and um but when you when that's taken away you start to want that that thing that you didn't realize you had the whole time because you can get like you get up early every morning for your show like you can burn out at a certain point you know what i mean and uh, on the road repeatedly you know you you go through jet lag and you seem to never get good at it (laughs) like no matter what it's the funniest thing we're like did it get you again? And now Jerry lives in Italy. I'm sure it's a strange version of it as a way of life now. But like, it is one of those things where I think we we toured so much for about ten years that we we began to forget what we you know the gift we had in the sense of like when it was taken away. Holy, holy shit! We I I love playing live, but you play live so much that all of a sudden you're burned out and you lose perspective. So. You gain right. it back. You hope you hold some of it. You hope you retain some of it because um, it is like one of the strangest things I think we could have ever imagined going through or you could have not imagined going through as a not only just a country. It's the weirdest thing. The whole world is experiencing this together. Your experience over in Italy, too. I mean, clearly the question is, have you adopted a soccer team over in uh, in Italy? <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> um yeah, so Juventus is the uh, is, oh. is the one of two soccer teams of of Torino. The other one is just called okay. Torino, sort of like the Jets and the Giants or something. There's a really deep, long seated rivalry between the two. Yeah. And it's funny, like I say that confidently talking to you, but like if I was doing an an interview in Italy, <laughs> I think you can literally like turn a lot of people off just by stating the soccer team or the, I guess in their words, the football <laughs> team that you like. It's like a right, it's no right. joke over there. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are they the Jets or the Giants? Is that where you are? Yeah. So, so you live, yeah, exactly. Well, Jets and the Giants, you bring that up and you'll start. Well, they're, off, they're really good. So whoever, I, I imagine they're probably the Giants, more like, yeah, yeah the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you, did you, was it your, your wife's family? Was it just, is it geographical? Is it both? It is. I mean, this is a big deal. You, when you, when you adopt a team, this is who you are now. You I mean, the out. first time I ever went to, Turin seven eight years ago whenever that was uh i could just tell like yeah they grew up with that like her brother had um their colors are black and white and it's sort of like like a black and white scarf in the room and maybe an old ticket stub from from going to the game and then eventually i got to go to my first game sold out like stadium awesome. i don't know how many people if it's like 50 60 70 thousand people yeah and just culturally it was interesting too everybody just watched the game like not one person got up for a beer or hot dog halftime chug a beer, get some popcorn or whatever, you know, slice of pizza, whatever they get. And then, um, but I went with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, I think the first time ever. And it just was so culturally like insanely cool to not be watching music and get out of like the musician, you know, world that we live in, that we lived in constantly pre pre pandemic. And just was something really cool to like sink my teeth. in again, that wasn't, I tend to just used to involve myself so much in music, which, serves its purpose, but you need to get into other stuff sooner or later in your life. So yeah, like I, I have these grand notions of buying season tickets at some point and whenever that would be a, a year, we'd be home, not in pandemic situation, but yeah, it's really cool just to kind of culturally, you know, get hit by that and to, 
to enjoy that over there. Yeah, I, had a, I brought an Italian DJ friend of mine to a Sounders match out here in Seattle. And he, he couldn't believe it. There are that many people there because we usually have 40,000, 50,000 people here, Whoa. which is pretty big in America. Yeah. And yeah, we're it's getting pretty bigger, big soccer city. It's getting city. bigger in the States, I yeah. think, really slowly but surely, which I think is really great, actually, because I think it's it's an amazing sport. Um, it is. And my kids, like we're season ticket holders out here. My, and then when they see an away match on TV, there's no commercials. They just see action all the way through. You see why America... Or corporate yeah, America yeah. shies away from it. I was trying to explain <laughs> yeah. it to him. Like, you know, they can't break every five goddamn minutes to play a commercial. And I love it for my kids. Yeah. But my Italian friend, too, is just like, why is everybody getting up? He was very confused. Like, the matches that you're going to miss. So I'm glad you said that. Because I was like, is that what goes on over there? Because I've never seen a match outside of, uh, of the U.S. I can't wait to get over there and it's, actually I mean, experience that. You know, it's just. It's, it's the most popular sport by far for the whole world. So it's yeah. just America that yeah. we have our own sports and that's great too. And that's beautiful. But um, I mean, me and Wes, we got to go to a couple games on off days years ago in places like, I think we went to a game in either Liverpool or Manchester. And I, uh, well, I guess what I'm getting at is just Europe in general, going to any soccer yeah. game you get to go over there. It doesn't matter if it's even an important game or not. Just seeing like hooligans and the way they have these, like they'll have a dude with a shirt off and like sub freezing temperatures, like, he won't even be watching the game he's just standing with like no support like controlling like (laughs) tens of thousands of like maniacs like to do this specific cheer and it's uh it's great i don't know well it's a it's a similar thing i mean this is tied into music to play in front of that many people and not be uh nervous or not have you know they're cheering for you is different you know then imagine doing a live show where it was an away show and it's only people who aren't fans of you. <laughs> like, like it's yeah, your entire show. Yeah. That's how they have to deal with in a way, Matt. Yeah. I was trying to tell my kid how, how why that's a big deal. Like you have to travel somewhere and they hate you. So imagine like, well, for the Luminaire show, we're going to go to like, and I'm, I don't want to insult any other band. So like the opposite of whoever you <laughs> sure, are. Sure. And they're all going to just boo you for, <laughs> for your entire show. Go. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That was like some early days of busking. So yeah, gotta, sure. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, are you ever going to go back and, you know, go down there and like, do a, you should talk to Jimmy Fallon, do like a busking thing. With yeah, the in the subway Get back or something. to your roots. Yeah, you should get down there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it again sometime. <laughs> well, you guys, I hope I see you this summer. I, I mean, I'll be there. I just hope uh, everything touring wise happens and, and you're able to get out of here. I, the, the new record is just, it's great. It might be my favorite record you've done as well. And I just really congratulate you. And, and, um, and they're just beautiful songs. So um, I'm not surprised at all, but I, I hope the tour goes well once it gets going again and all the promo. We need you to speak with uh, more confidence. This tour is going to be great. The tour yeah. is happening. <laughs> it is happening. We have, you know, we started talking about sessions and, you know, we we're doing at home session. The, the good news about, about this latest variant is that we can do a few of these yeah. and then get back to having bands in. And we, you know, we're looking at March, but again, people ask us like we have control over it and we're like, we're here. <laughs> we're going to be safe. <laughs> we're doing our best, but we right. have zero control. So we have the same attitude y'all have. They just yeah. do your best. And yeah. Take we want to come, but. we want to play that, that new place. Finally. I, I think the, the session we did a while back on our first record was like, the awesome old space, but now you have this yep. like state of the art. We, I don't think we've ever played it. Now you play, you just guest DJ. You hung out. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. We It'd hung be out. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You need to play it. So just book it. It's booked. It's live <laughs> when, we're, here. when we're out we're there. Booking it. Yeah. You have to get up early though. You got to come on to my show. We got to, we got to hang out. 
and can't um, be the day so of a show or else the whole the night's gonna sound terrible we'll do it on the day off hey that's yeah. this on you you yeah. gotta spend more time this is one of your homes away from homes i know that yeah, so right. you have to come out here and spend some time and if there's a sounders match it's on me you guys can come and <laughs> that sounds great Thank you for spending time today. I know you're very busy and uh, it's always good to catch up with you guys. And uh, man, I just, I only wish the best for you and your families. Thanks so much, John. Great yeah, seeing you, man. Thanks, John.